Welcome to the Online Course Masters Show, where you'll learn how to create and sell your very own online courses. I'm your host, as always, Phil Ebner. And with me, Jeremy Deegan is going to be talking about a great topic, diving into some equipment that you need to start creating online courses. In this episode, we're specifically talking about the software editing and recording applications that you use to record and edit your own courses. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com for show notes to view the video version of this episode and to see an archive of all our past episodes and guests. And please, while you're listening right now, if you haven't done so before, seriously, take a moment. You don't have to pause this. Just head over to the app that you're listening to this show on and leave a review and a rating for this show and subscribe. This really helps us to grow the show and to help more people uh, to become better online course creators. So, Jeremy, back at it. This is going to be exciting, uh, really hopefully practical, kind of dive into some specifics uh, to help people choose what software to use. Uh, but before that, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, man. Uh, just uh, enjoying the Florida weather. Still a little <laughs> chilly, but uh, uh, yeah, man, everything's going good. How have you been? I, I'm good. Uh, I noticed uh, before recording that the we have a bird feeder outside my garage where I'm working right now and somehow they got the bird feeder detached and it's on the ground and there's a bunch of bird seed everywhere so they're 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 enjoying it but after this (laughs) I'm gonna have to go fix that up (laughs) oh man that's hilarious yeah we're talking about um software and recording but before we get started uh you know I love music it's a big integral part of my life i've i've played in bands i've played bass and saxophone and guitar and drums and all these things uh i've seen some really cool shows in my time but has there ever been any like um musicians or any great uh shows that you've ever seen that you want to talk about before we get started yeah i'm uh i'll just be completely honest my favorite type of music is kind of soft acoustic rock uh, the kind of J- Jason Mraz, Jack Johnson, that kind of style. I, Jack Johnson's my favorite artist. Um, and oh, nice. so's my wife. So oh, nice. I saw him actually up in Berkeley when I lived up there, and he played at UC Berkeley. They have a nice amphitheater there, and that was just uh, a magical show. Uh, just really awesome. And I've been a fan of his for forever, and so. He he played a lot of his his oldies, and so that was really good. I went to um, Coachella once when I was in college, so that was kind of like one of the big sort of festivals that I've been to. And I saw um, Yonzi. Yonzi is um, gosh, what's the other? What's his band? His main band. Um, I'll think of it in a second, but. Oh, Sigur Rós. Sigur Rós. He's got this like melodic uh, post-rock kind of style. And that was like kind of like this magical show as well. Um, and that was fun to go to Coachella. It's, it's definitely not like my style. Like nowadays, I don't do any of that kind of festival. But it's so awesome to go see, be able to see all these artists at one place. Uh, mm-hmm. Super fun. What about you? Any kind of cool shows you've seen? Yeah, that's that's a hard one for me to answer because I actually worked in theater and, and music show production, uh, and I actually was a lighting designer at a local music venue for like almost ten years, give or take a couple years, because I had a little hiatus. Nice. Uh, 
I have seen a lot of stuff. So uh, Billy Bob Thornton has a band. I got to see his band one time and meet him. I think that was a, that was, he was one of the coolest people I ever met, which sometimes I don't always expect him to be so down to earth. Like yeah. you think he'd kind of have that like, you know, uh, thing about him, but dude, he sat out back with us and just like talked for us for like hours, just hanging out and, and chilling. So, uh, that was interesting. Jack Johnson played here recently, a couple years ago, um, down in St. Augustine, which is like the oldest city or whatever. Uh, it's a really cool city and they built this beautiful outside amphitheater. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my wife and I got to go and we, uh, actually stayed down there. Typically we go down there cause it's like 30 minutes away and it's just like a day trip there and back. But we actually stayed there and and we took our bikes with us. So we just rode from the hotel to the amphitheater and like saw the show and it was amazing. And, um, and, you know, that was a a really fun one. And then we got to ride around St. Augustine and stuff. So, uh, that was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, I used to do the festival circuit thing. Uh, I've seen, I've been to a lot of different festivals. Uh, it's kind of funny because I had met my wife, like in my young twenties and Mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, we, we liked each other. But it was almost like, I don't know, like we liked each other, but we were almost, I guess, kind of scared or something. So we kind of went our own separate ways for a while. She moved away. I went to school. I didn't see her for years and years and years. And then I'm down south in a festival called Langerado in South Florida. And I mean, it's like it was uh, on a like a what do you call it? Like a Indian reservation or Indian preserved land. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's where they were having the festival. So it's like out in the middle of nowhere, like seriously, just Florida, like swamp and marsh. Like, uh, they had this festival. It was crazy. And they had these bands playing and we were camping and, uh, I'm out there and I see this person like running towards me and I'm just like, what? And like, she like comes running and jumps on me and like we hug and do the like <laughs> twirl in the air and stuff. And we've been together ever since that day. So <laughs> that, that festival like really, really stands out in my mind as, as being an awesome one. I saw some really cool bands there too. Um, but That's yeah, man, I, I love talking about music. So if you're ever in the Facebook group and you want to talk about music, let's talk about because I can yeah, talk about Yeah, P- post your favorite. <laughs> we'll, we'll post a question or something for people to post their favorite bands. Um, sometimes I actually add music to parts of my online courses. Um, mm-hmm. The intro definitely and the promo video. Um, we, we can talk a little bit more about how you can find some good music for your videos. I don't recommend putting music in all of your lessons but it can definitely help in the promo and some specific cases uh parts of your course so back to online courses this episode's all about the recording and editing applications and other sort of assets that you'll need to make your course the next couple episodes are specifically about audio equipment and then video equipment including lighting Uh, So first, uh, we want to make this as practical as possible for people, kind of run through the different options and give our advice. Uh, And and so first, uh, let's talk about screencast software, which is probably the first piece of equipment that uh, or application that someone needs if they're starting to create online courses. And I know we mentioned some of these in the last episode, but can you go over some of the, the most common and best paid options for screencasting? 
Yeah, and if you are unsure about what screencasting is, uh, definitely go back to the episode on course formats where we talk about the different types of course formats and we kind of go and explain these different things. Um, so we have uh, a number of screencasting software has, has come out that we can use. Uh, free options include OBS software and QuickTime and Windows Screen Recorder. Um, OBS has a lot of functionality to it for a free program. Uh, you can actually even set it up to do like live video for YouTube and Facebook and all these different things. Mm -hmm. um, QuickTime is the, the new version of QuickTime uh, comes with a the Mac. So if you have the updated OS for Macs, you can have QuickTime. It's probably like literally the easiest thing that you could do mm -hmm. because it's just uh, an option in the corner, record the screen, you click on it, it records it. I mean, there's not much to it, so it's a very easy, free way to record. And then Windows Screen Recorder is another one. I haven't actually used that one before. Um, and then we have, uh, you have some of the paid software, so we'll go like lowest to highest. Uh, Screencast-O-Matic, it used to be like 10 or 15 bucks a year. I think they might be doing a monthly plan now for like a dollar fifty a month i think it said uh, yeah. they have a free version usually when you do the free versions you're limited on time uh they might do watermarks i'm not sure um and i don't think you have access to all the functionality of the program screencast omatic is pretty awesome though it's it's really intuitive it's very basic and easy to use uh very cheap and uh it produces quality and high definition which is great and then you have some more of the more uh, higher end software, which would be like Camtasia or ScreenFlow, uh, um, PC based. So I don't use ScreenFlow as much. I usually use Camtasia. Uh, Camtasia is great. It actually has a, an editor inside of it, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, but it gives you a lot of functionality rec to record your webcam and your screen at the same time and, and your microphone and all these different things. Um, the prices vary. Maybe you can talk about the prices um, if you have them pulled up yeah. there. And then also uh, after that, uh, is there anything higher than Camtasia and ScreenFlow was something I wanted to know? Um, I'm trying to think. I think uh, I know Adobe has a screencasting option. I think it's Adobe Captivate, uh, which is a part of the sort of Adobe Creative Cloud suite of applications, which is going to be pricier I think it's between twenty and fifty dollars a month, depending on the plan you have. Um, but of course, you get other applications with Adobe that might be helpful for your online course creation. But I really think that Camtasia or ScreenFlow is kind of as good as you need. Even Screencast-O-Matic, Camtasia right now, as of recording, it's two hundred bucks for the Windows or Mac version. Uh, for ScreenFlow, it's one twenty-nine. And then for Screencast-O-Matic, it's $1 a month uh, if you get a three-year term and $150 a month if you get a uh, one-year term, which is definitely the cheapest. Um, for the free option of Screencast-O-Matic, you do get to record 15-minute videos, and I don't, you can save them. I don't think there's a, uh, a watermark, but you don't get the video editor part mm. of the application except if you pay which all of these have um so camtasia ScreenFlow, and that's what makes it great is that you're recording and then automatically you can start editing which you can't do with the free options like obs or quicktime or any right. sort of windows screen recording app with those you 
will record your video, it saves it as a file, but then you have to use another application to edit with. Uh, so let's talk about editing applications. If you're not using one of these screen recording apps, uh, the ones that I recommend are Adobe Premiere Pro, which is a professional video editing app that comes with Adobe. Uh, Final Cut Pro is another option if you're a Mac user. There's other options out there like Sony Vegas, uh, Filmora, F-I-L-M-O-R-A. Filmora is sort of a more basic app that I believe is both for Mac and PC. The one that I use is Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, Hmm. It's definitely got a lot of functionality. For me, it's easier to add effects, to add titles, to make things look a little bit more professional. Uh, I noticed that with Camtasia or ScreenFlow, there's just not as many options or it's not as easy for me to add like special effects and, and things like that. But there's also benefits of using just ScreenFlow or Camtasia or Screencast-O-Matic for editing. One, it's more efficient because you're recording and then you're editing right in the same app. But there's also things like, at least I know with ScreenFlow, um, if you want to just quickly add like transitions where you make the talking head video like full screen and then you want to make it just a small screen, like little video in the corner, there's a really easy way to add that kind of video transition or that motion transition uh, that in Premiere Pro you can definitely do, but it's actually harder and more difficult, even though it's a more expensive advanced program. ScreenFlow and Camtasia are built for that, so it has all those options. Other things that ScreenFlow has uh, that I like that I think Camtasia has as well, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like uh, adding your keyboard shortcuts that you're, you're clicking or typing out, which is very helpful if you're doing an application-based program and you want people to know if you're clicking a keyboard shortcut. You can also, after the fact, make your mouse the cursor bigger or smaller and you can also change it if you want it to if when you click you can have it do a little sort of road circular sort of graphic so it's easy mm-hmm. for people to see when you click something uh things like that that are built for people who create online courses and online tutorials that for me if you're just getting started out you don't need to upgrade to Premiere Pro or Final Cut Pro. You can just edit in Camtasia or ScreenFlow. So now talking about the editing software, whether it be Screencast-O-Matic, ScreenFlow, Premiere, Final Cut, any of these, uh, you know, a lot of our audience uh, has already created a course or maybe they know about video editing. But for those people who are just starting out, maybe they aren't very technical, uh, maybe they are a baker or a programmer and, and they haven't really edited anything before and, and might be a little confused on why you would need editing software. Mm. Why, what would the editing software provide? Why would you need it? What is it actually going to do uh, to help make your course better? Can you explain that in kind of some basic terms? Yeah, because some people might be thinking, well, I just need to record and I'm going to talk through my slides or I'm going to talk through my my application, my screencast that I'm doing, and then I just export that file, right? Well, that probably isn't going to end up being a really great class because unless you're an amazing superhuman who doesn't make any mistakes, you're going to be making mistakes while you're recording. You're going to be stumbling. You're going to be 
explaining things uh, in ways where you might want to edit it down. You might want to cut out parts, not only mistakes, but while editing, I find myself making the course better, uh, making it shorter, more to the point. Maybe while I was recording, I thought that saying explaining something a certain way was good, but then while editing it and watching it myself, I realized, wow, that was kind of taking too long. I don't really need that. Um, so basically, editing is for cutting down mistakes and um, making it shorter, more, more to the point, but also adding your titles, adding graphics to to you know, further explain things. Uh, while you can create a slideshow and do this, a lot of times I find myself adding content like photos or graphics after the fact to help explain a, t- a concept. And I know that going into recording the course. I mm-hmm. don't go into recording a lot of courses having a finalized slideshow or a finalized graphic um, that I'm recording doing a screencast while I record some people might do that but I find myself adding a lot of like bullet points and titles and graphics Mm -hmm. after the fact that um, make your course better Um, of course editing too you might be adding things like music after the fact Mm -hmm. you might uh, do things like making the video and the audio sound better Um, Mm -hmm. you there's most of these applications have filters or effects that can make your the video look better, fix the white balance, fix the exposure, mm-hmm. make the audio sound better, get rid of background noise, get rid of um, you know any distractions or things like that um, that you're going to have to do while editing. Yeah, and a, a major theme that we talk about on this podcast is you know starting simple. If you're starting out for the first time, don't get too carried away in some of these things like you know exposure and you know what have you. Uh, you know, go ahead and and get one of these free or cheaper options and try it out. And you know, like you said, Screencast-O-Matic it has a built-in editor. It's not very advanced, but it's going to do the basics. It's going to do mm-hmm. cuts and transitions and add music and things of that nature. Um, so you want to start off simple but as you move along you tend to have this progression where you want to make better quality and more production higher production value so we get into some more advanced techniques like you said uh, adjusting uh, the exposure color correcting uh, adjusting the audio so it sounds better Um, I know that we can use things like Premiere and Final Cut to do some of that stuff Uh, another program that you and I both use pretty often is After Effects Mm -hmm. and After Effects is going to give you um, the ability to do things like animations and mm-hmm. graphics, lower thirds, which I know is something that you use where you'll have your name fly in from the side and it'll say your name and do a little animation and mm-hmm. dissolve or fly out. Um, so After Effects is another program uh, that is pretty popular as you get a little more uh, advanced into editing. Uh, this is why Phil and I, I believe you too, is why I have the Adobe uh, CC subscription. So you pay a monthly fee for Adobe, but you get access to all of their products. So you have access to Premiere for editing. You have access to After Effects for doing graphics and different things of that nature. And then like things like Audition, where you can go in separately and really start to adjust the audio and make it sound better. Uh, Even access to Photoshop, where you can create 
your slides or your graphics or your course image. Um, so I, I really love the Adobe subscription package. Is that why you use it also? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I also am a professional video editor, motion graphics artist. So I use that professionally when I'm doing freelance work or just projects on my own. But for creating those more advanced graphics, it's what I would say is the best. Apple Motion is sort of the Apple version of that program just for Mac. But if you're using Final Cut Pro, then that's going to um, be the application you want to use. The thing that with all the software, it might be kind of overwhelming. You might be thinking, well, this is going to, you know, how, how do I create graphics and lower thirds and animations? That's not what I'm, you know, a pro- I don't know how to do that. A lot of this, you can use templates to create amazing yep. things a lot easier. Um, and we have some, uh, some recommendations for where you can find these. But basically, what this means is instead of having to design the entire animation, you just plug in the right text. You just change the name. You just add titles. Or you can find graphics that have like cool little boxes with text that appears um, and you don't have to be a pro. I actually, another kind of resource because people ask me this all the time is I have a free course on how to use After Effects templates for specifically for people like you listening who don't know After Effects, who don't want to learn the entire process, but they just want to learn the basics to do things like add the text, change the color of the background, change the color of the text so that it matches your brand, how to change the photos. You can get a lot of cool slideshow templates where you just add a bunch of photos. Um, So you can find these all over the place. You can find them for free. But do you have any places where people can find this kind of stock animations or other kind of stock footage uh, that can help improve the quality of their course dramatically without them having to kind of reinvent the wheel themselves. Yeah. And what's great about this is it's not just for those who uh, don't know how to do these things, but it's also helps you to save time. I mean, um, I, my, my degree is in computer animation, so I can definitely create Adobe After Effects graphics from, from scratch and yeah. I can go in and animate those myself, but that's not my focus right now. My focus is creating courses and creating content and I could spend a day or two creating these animations or I can just hop on a site and download something that I feel suits that course and kind of bypass that whole mm-hmm. uh, process of creating these things from scratch. Um, so I feel like using you know stock footage and animations and vectors and things are really important. And even someone like me, who's an animator, I still use these all the time. So, uh, I definitely recommend any kind of templates. So some different ones that we can look at, um, if you're looking for a video, uh, video blocks is a website where you can get some royalty free video. Also story tape is a new one that I've been following recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been putting out a lot of good content. Um, and then you can go to the Envato market. I don't know if I said that right, but it's mm-hmm. E-N-V-A-T-O if you type that into Google. Um, they not they have all kinds of stuff. So they've got pictures and lower thirds and even uh, slides and PowerPoint presentations, graphics. They have a whole slew of stuff that you can get from their website. Um, when we're talking about like, you know, photos, uh, a couple resources is uh, Pixabay and Unsplash are two good resources for uh, uh, pictures. They're mm-hmm. royalty free and you can go on there and you can check those out. Um, 
uh, if you're doing any type of audio, uh, the YouTube Music Library is a free database. Actually, I think they've got – do you pay for stuff on there? I know some mm -hmm. of it's royalty-free, and then sometimes you some things you have to be careful of using. We'll talk about that in a minute when we yeah. talk about copywriting and licensing, but there's a lot of free stuff on there that you can use for your audio. Uh, Premium Beat is a, a really cool website that I've used before for royalty-free music. So if I'm doing a promo video or I want to insert some music, um, they're a really great website. And then there's some free options like Canva. Um, Canva is a kind of a graphic design program that's free, but you can create slides, you can create graphics uh, using, and they have a ton of free vectors and artwork and graphics in there automatically that you can pull in. Um, Canva is a really cool program because I also found out recently, I wanted to mention that you can present from Canva just like you could from PowerPoint. Mm. So you can go in Canva, create slides, bring in their graphics and photos that are free or that you have to pay for on there. And then you can present straight from the program also. So those are some that I use pretty often. Do you have any more that I missed or that, that you use? Um, the only other thing I think you mentioned audio jungle, which is a part oh, of no, the, yeah. maybe that's part of the Invato market, audio jungle.net. That's where I find a lot of my music. Um, you mentioned Pixabay, Unsplash, Pexels, P-E-X-E-L-S is another one where you could find free Im free to use images. And we'll link to all of this stuff in the show notes because I know it's kind of hard to maybe understand how things are spelled or what we're saying. So we'll include all this on onlinecoursemasters.com in the show notes for this episode. Um, Canva.com is useful for all kinds of stuff, not just the PowerPoints or slideshows, but also social media graphics. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, I could create all of this stuff from scratch myself using Photoshop, using After Effects, but it saves so much time to just have a template built on canva.com where I can access it from anywhere, from my home computer, if I'm at a coffee shop with my laptop, and there, I've built out templates myself where you just can quickly plug in the text, change it up, and now I have my YouTube thumbnail or course image or whatever it is. Uh, so uh, canva.com is is awesome. Uh, I don't know when the first time I heard of it. I don't know if it was when we created our course or what whatnot, but I use that all the time now. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Save time by using these. Uh, before we talk a little bit more about the copyright issue, um, we want to make sure that you join the Facebook group for Online Course Masters. Just head over to OnlineCourseMasters.com, hit that community button at the top. It'll take you to the group. Uh, we got to approve you because it is a private group. We try to keep it private just to people who are really interested in online course uh, creation. No spamming. If you spam, we haven't mentioned this on the <laughs> podcast before, but if you spam, I've got like a one strike policy. If you promote <laughs> your own course or anything like that, which some people do, they just come in, think it's a place where they can post free coupons, yeah. uh, but it's clearly in the group description. You're not supposed to spam. Uh, just keep it uh, friendly, keep it constructive, educational. And uh, like we've mentioned before, I always post these episodes in that group where you can kind of continue the conversation. So for this week, if you have questions about software, any sort of recording applications, editing applications, keep this conversation going on the group or anytime really. You could ask us questions whenever you want. 
So yeah, and if you have any that you have thought of that we missed, uh, yeah. definitely post those in the group. If you got some recommendations or suggestions that you really like using, uh, definitely post those so we can all check them out. Yeah, for sure. Especially with those uh, these um, sort of stock footage. There's so many sites out there. Uh, Story tape is one I didn't even hear of until Jeremy mentioned it, but. It looks awesome because you can buy an unlimited subscription. You pay monthly, but you get as many downloads as you want, which is awesome if you're creating a ton of content like this. Um, so definitely post anything that you've used yourself uh, that could help us out as well. So this whole copyright issue is a little bit tricky, especially with using photos, with using music, with using anything that someone else has created. My rule of thumb is to always err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, especially if it's a photo or music, do not use it unless it says specifically on wherever you're downloading it from that this music has been, has a Creative Commons. Um, there's different types of licensing. There's Creative mm-hmm. Commons Zero, which is basically you can use this however you want in in commercial or non-commercial projects without attributing it to the author. And that's kind of the main thing you're looking for, or one of the main things you're looking for is, do you have to give attribution to the author? And that, you mentioned the YouTube music library. Some of those songs, if you're using on YouTube videos or off of YouTube, um, you have to you know, say in the video that you're using, this music is from, you know, this artist or whatever. Some of it you don't have to. The YouTube music library is a little tricky. Um, Before when it launched, it said specifically in the description that you're allowed to use this music on or off YouTube. So Mm -hmm. for a while, I was always recommending it for people for their online courses or for wherever. But they took that little clause out of their description now. So... Mm. um, it's not one of my favorite places to use music for my online courses. Um, okay. It's just one of those things where you've got to be careful. But if you're using it on YouTube, it's a ton of great music to find. And you can find it if you log into YouTube, go to your creator studio, which is kind of your profile. And then it's under one of the tabs on the left for, um, let me see exactly what it's called. That's but, really um, good to know. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that because I haven't used it in a while because I typically... Um, I, I usually will buy the audio now. Yeah. Uh, I haven't used it in quite some time, so that's that's definitely good to know. And just a quick note on that is, you know, sometimes you might want to invest in these things um, because if you're using free stuff, there's a good chance other people are using free stuff. Yeah. So I know that I've uh, used audio, free audio before and then found someone else with the same audio in their course, which isn't like really a big deal. But if I want to stand out, you know, I might spend the extra five, 10, 15 bucks to buy uh, an audio, um, an audio file that's, you know, most people probably aren't going to have access to. Yeah. So it, um, I'm reading the YouTube terms and conditions right here. And it's, um says that music from this library is intended solely for use by you in videos and other content that you create. You may not you may use music files from this library and videos that you monetize on YouTube. See, it doesn't say specifically that you're not allowed to use it off Mm -hmm. of the platform. It kind of makes it sound like you are able to. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Well, this makes a really good point about using any type of copyrighted or licensed material. The, the reason why these things exist like copyrights is because people who create content would like to have the recognition or the money for the content they, that they created. As if, if you were to create a course, you don't want someone else out there making a lot of money off of all the content that you created. It's the same thing. You got to keep that mindset when you are using photos or you're using mm -hmm. graphics or you're using audio, even a photograph, someone took their time to go out and use their equipment, their camera, and their time to take that photo. So if if they say, hey, it's free for commercial use, no attribution required, and they're cool with that, great, use it. But if you might have the any inclination that it, it might be something that they don't want you to use for free, you, you need to either look into the licensing where you found that material, mm -hmm. or you need to contact that person directly and get approval from them. Uh, most of the sites that we mentioned, uh, these royalty-free type sites, are going to have the different licenses listed out on the sites. So they will say uh, what the license is and do you need to attribute it to someone or not? Is it free for personal use? Is it free for commercial use? Mm -hmm. One example that I can give is the digital marketing course that I'm using right now. Uh, I got from the Envato Market. I used a slide PowerPoint presentation because it was really nice. I liked the way it looked. But I had to read the license and be specific on what I could and could not use it for. Uh, sometimes these licenses will say things like, you can use it for one project. Mm -hmm. So you might have in your mind that, hey, I paid you know, so-and-so amount of money and I downloaded it and now I can use it on every project I ever create, but that's not true. You yeah. can only use it on one certain project. So you really want to be diligent about looking at the licenses. Uh, if you're not good with this stuff, as I typically am not, and when it comes to kind of the legalities, you know, seek out someone who is good with this and talk to them and, and maybe get their information. And then another thing that you can also do is that you can contact the company directly and usually they'll have some type of support that will let you know specifically if it's okay or not okay. One example I can give for that is I use Canva for a lot of stuff like almost everything in graphic design aside from going into Photoshop and creating stuff. Um, I was uh, printing t-shirts and I was I had made a t-shirt on Canva and was going to sell it and then I read something that made me kind of threw a red flag and I sent an email directly to Canva and asked them, and they let me know that you cannot create a graphic and sell t-shirts from Canva because you're using their graphics, which mm -hmm. is the main content of that t-shirt, mm -hmm. and that is totally against the rules. Yeah. So if you're, if you're unsure, either seek legal advice, do your research onto the licenses and the copyrights, or at least reach out to the person who created it or the company that is giving it away to see if you can get a final answer on if it's okay to use or not. Yeah, it's re it's really tricky. Uh, I've seen that a lot with like photo licenses, where if it's the main, if you're using it commercially as the main reason why someone's purchasing that product, if it's on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or whatever, that's not allowed. But if it's a part of a slideshow template that you're selling in a, an online course, that's fine. Uh, so you got to look into the license and like you said, specifically, can you use it for one product or can you, do you have to license it again and again for each course or each video? 
mm-hmm. all this stuff. I don't want to give legal advice because it might change and I don't want anyone to hold us accountable because we're not yeah. lawyers. We can't give we're legal not. advice. So if you have <laughs> any legal questions, this is one of those areas where posting it to the Facebook group is not going to give you a good answer. Uh, <laughs> finding a lawyer is the best option. Going to a place like LegalZoom.com is probably the easiest where you can get uh, attorney advice, but um, just be careful and always mm-hmm. have the rights to whatever you're using in your course, especially if you're on Udemy or any of these other platforms, really anywhere. But on Udemy specifically, if someone finds that you've used their image in the, your course or a song or whatever, and you don't have the license, they can contact Udemy with a DMCA takedown notice and Udemy will legally be required to take down your course even if you, even depending on how it works, if you change the graphic or or whatnot, mm-hmm. that might help sometimes, but uh, Udemy does not want to be held accountable for this and so they might just take down your course automatically. So you got to be really careful with this stuff. And and yeah, you got you got to be careful. Uh, this is including in, in course images too. I mean, mm-hmm. you got to be careful. Even I use um, branded course brands logos in my course images, and you're really walking on a fine line there because mm-hmm. if that brand were to come through and say, "Hey, look, Udemy, uh, you are promoting our brand against our terms of service. I want you to take down every course that has our logo in it." I mean, they could really shut down a lot of courses that way. Yeah. So uh, you you want to be careful with those kinds of things. We don't want to scare you, and it's just like Phil said, you want to err on the side of caution. If you're unsure. Uh, and you can't find a good answer, I would say just stay away from it and try to find another way to go about it. So if you're doing a Photoshop course and you don't want to put the Photoshop logo on your course image, you know, maybe err on the side of doing a different graphic that doesn't include it and and try to go around it that way. It's the same thing with any of these things that we're talking about, video, uh, audio, pictures, photos, graphics, vectors, any of that stuff. Always err on the side of caution because we don't want y'all to get in trouble. Yeah. Cool. Well, that about wraps it up. We went over a lot of specifics for screencast software, editing applications, and all these other uh, assets that you can use to make your courses look better. I know we didn't, you know, it's impossible to teach a video editing course and or kind of the, the how to do these things. And that's kind of content we'll be adding or already have to the Online Course Masters Mentorship program mm-hmm. and the master class that you might be interested in and we also have courses on a lot of these things like photoshop and how to use canva.com if you're interested so just head over to uh jeremy's uh his where where's the best place to find your courses udemy or do you have a site right now actually i i took my site down because it hadn't been updated in a while so it just redirects back to udemy cool. so if you just type in my name jeremydegan.com or go on udemy and type in jeremydegan.com you'll find me on there um it's the last name's a little tricky so we'll put it in the show notes yeah but for sure uh, it, you'll you'll definitely find me by typing those in yeah definitely cool well uh, definitely check out those classes if you want to take this to the next step uh, but hopefully you enjoyed this and please again join the facebook group And let us know if you have any other tools or applications that you recommend as well. As always, please leave a rating and a review for this class. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. 
uh, so that you are automatically notified when new episodes come out. And we're going to be coming out with weekly episodes for for the time being and for a long time. We've got a ton of great content coming out. And in the next episode, I do know that we will be covering audio equipment. So talking about specific microphone selections, do you need a mixer, and tips for getting great audio. So look forward to that one coming out next week. And Jeremy, until next time, have a great day, a productive week. And uh, for everyone listening, have a beautiful day and a beautiful week.